Hey guys, Pastor Jürgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the word. God bless you. Well, um, as uh, we just heard from beautiful Pastor Marissa, we just got back from America Fest and it was it was it was it was pretty interesting, but the word of the Lord came to me while we were there because it wasn't a Christian conference, but it was more more Christian, had more Christian potency than the last Hillsong and the last Presence Conference I went to combined. And then and then I'm like, man, what is going? Because every every speaker that got up that was pushing back, that was activating or was, was actively resisting and putting things in place to resist the tyranny that is trying to come from uh, NGOs, non, non-governmental organizations like the World Economic Forum, like the, uh, WHO, the, the World Health Organization. No one elected these people. They elected themselves. And they're bringing a lot of these these mandates and these crazy things in, and uh, but it's America pushing back. It's America pushing back. And then I saw who it was in America pushing back. And the number one common denominator was all of these people had a faith and a foundation in Jesus Christ. It came through again and again and again. Then the word of the Lord came to me, and it, it says that the spirit of the Lord lifted from Saul and came upon David. Spirit of the Lord lifted from Saul. And came upon David. So Saul was anointed by Samuel. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon David because it lifts off Saul. David was a shepherd. He'd left the sheep in the sheepfold, had gone down to the battle, kind of volunteers in the ministry, in the excuse me, in the military to fight Goliath. And I just saw that 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 God literally had to anoint someone in the marketplace to say what he wanted to say, to do what he wanted to be done. And and I saw, here is Charlie Kirk. Here was Candace Owens, Madison Cawthorn, Lauren Bobet. Like it was was literally one speaker after another. Steve Weatherford had an altar call. Hundreds of people got saved, preached, had Jesus is king on his shirt. It was one speaker after another with faith. Tucker Carlson preached the gospel. Tucker Carlson, the number one voice for truth right now in America, gets up and preaches the gospel, preaches how we need to have marriage, family, and get married young and have lots of babies and save the future of the, the republic. I mean, it was just, it was just incredible. And so so I began to see, I began to see that uh, Jesus reveals himself in the book of Revelation. And if you're doing the one-year Bible, we're in the book of Revelation right now. And Jesus reveals himself as I am the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands and I have the seven stars of God in my right hand. And then it says the seven golden lampstands are the seven churches and the seven stars are the angels of those churches. And he writes to one of the churches and he says, listen, if you you don't come back into alignment with kingdom purpose, I'm going to take your lampstand and I'm going to remove it. 
I'm going to remove your lampstand. It's not that the, he's got seven golden lampstands and four have gone out because the church went woke or the church. He just moves the lampstand. His lampstands are unaffected. So when we get disappointed in a leader's gone, critical race theory, a leader's gone, wokeism, a leader's gone, you know, LGBTQ flag, a leader has gone this way. We get disappointed. It doesn't affect God. He just takes the lampstand and just moves it over here. His seven lamps are still blazing. The seven angels over the seven lamps. It's just you maybe once had the lamp. That kind of keeps me in the fear of the Lord because even, even Mordecai, even Mordecai, had that understanding. He said to Esther, sweetheart, like that there is a, another genocide, a genocide. And it would never, someone calls you a conspiracy theorist, just say thank you. Because, you know, the, 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 the undiscerning can't discern the prophetic. So what you're calling conspiracy theorists, I know what you're saying. You're calling me a prophet. You're welcome. And so... <laughs> So there was, a, there was a genocidal agenda. And just so you know, Satan is filled with fury. He goes to make war. The Bible says he was a dragon in front of the woman who came to bring forth a, to birth a male child. He, wanted, he stood before the woman to devour the child. But he, the child was rescued and snapped away. So then he made war against the, the woman, which is the church, and you know, her children, the saints. And so this, is, this has been happening. So there's always been a genocidal agenda by the devil. He, he, he's a genocidal maniac. He hates the imago Dei. He hates the image of God. And then he rests on people who re reject and resist God and tells them they are so smart. They're smarter than everybody else. By 2030, you'll own nothing but you'll be incredibly happy. You'll have no privacy. You'll own nothing. You'll be able to, and we'll decide whether you live or, you know, whether your brother lives or your sibling lives or your mum and dad. We may just need to put them to death, but you'll be incredibly happy or you'll be shot. <laughs> Shootings will continue until morale improves. You know, it's like, so, so, there's, a, so there's, a, there's another genocidal decree that's been signed to wipe out the Jewish race. Mordecai goes to Esther saying, maybe... This may be a coincidence, but maybe not. Maybe you were brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. And she's like, I can't go in there. He hasn't asked me to go in there. And you, there's a law that says if I cross that threshold, if I walk in uninvited, it's a death penalty. And Mordecai says, yeah, okay, yeah. Let me just say this, darling. If you stay silent, if you stay silent, God will raise up deliverance from Israel from another source. And I just thought that's, that's an incredible word because if I was to prophesy Mordecai to our generation, to the pastors, what I experienced at America Fest is if you stay silent, which you did, God has literally raised up at America, Madison Cawthorn, preached Jesus Christ. Benny Johnson preached Jesus. I mean, it was one after, we were drinking out of a fire hydrant. And no wonder, no wonder our beautiful pastor Marissa says, the hope for America is extraordinary. That's what we saw. So I, I, all I saw was the lampstand had just moved. 
God's lampstands haven't diminished in the earth. And let me tell you, let me tell you why America is the great hope. Let me tell you why they had to, they had to uh, overthrow the will of the people in the 2020 election, why they had to cheat, why they had to fraud, because they're trying to bring America down from the inside. Because if America falls, the world falls. And that can sound arrogant, but let me just say this. Um, Every other nation already has a level of socialism in it, government dependency. So, you know, I was talking with a pastor in England. He's like, yeah, you know, the government, you know, well, the government's just saying if we get to 85%, then they're going to open up. They're going to let us. In Australia, they said, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, once we get to 75%, you know, we'll have natural, you know, and then they hit there. Well, you know, now it's 80%, 85%, 90%. Now it's 100%. It's, it's, it's never ending because it was never about the 70%. But, but the, the, the people are sheeple because for the longest time they traded freedom for security. They became government dependent. America was founded in the questioning of government. America was founded. The, the reason there are 13 stripes on the flag is it represents the 13 colonies. 13 all the way through the Bible is the number of rebellion. 13 is the number of rebellion. We rebelled against the King of England because we, we, we rejected that the King had done something that, that is, uh, is a violation of biblical authority where the King became both the head of the church but also king over the land, and he fused the two, the two together. In the first century, when Christianity was born, there was this conflict, and so they said to Jesus, do we pay taxes to Caesar? He says, bring me a denarius. And he says, you know, whose inscription is this? And they say, well, that's, you know, it's Caesar's. He goes, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar, and to God the things that are God's. The, the reason that has such a profound impact is because a coin has two sides. And the other side had uh, Tiberius, who was the Caesar at that time. His, his title was Pontifus Maximus, which means he wasn't just the king, but they believed that he was God incarnate, that he was also the, the, the head priest, that he was the, the, when he spoke, he spoke as the oracles of God. And so the, the reason the Christians were persecuted in the first century, second century, third century, and was hated and hunted down, you know, put into the, the gladiator stadiums and lit on fire to light up the, you know, like torches, was because they refused to worship Caesar because they believed that God had come in the flesh and he ain't you, you ain't it. His name is Jesus Christ. We will honor you. We will respect you but we will not worship you. We will not worship you. So, so America was founded because we saw again a perversion of the King of England saying, hey, I am Pontifus Maximus. I am not only the king, but I'm also the priest. And what I say goes in the church so much so that I'm going to add to, to the Lord's prayer. And so the pilgrims came out here wanting to have freedom from that tyranny. We, we, we fought the, the most mighty navy in the world at that time, the British Navy, the, the British naval fleet and the British, the British military were the most powerful. And we had a bunch of 
freedom-loving, religious, liberty-loving ragamuffins really put together a militia that fought. And so our, our, our beautiful star-spangled banner, the rocket's red glare, bombs bursting in air, you know, and all through the night, our flag was still there. And, and when they got up after all the shelling and he looks and he sees that the, the, the flag still blowing in the wind, he knew that God's providence was on America, that this was a rebellion, but it was a holy and righteous rebellion. You need to understand that the globalists, and I'm prophesying now, the globalists, are, are worried because their agenda is falling apart. The, the seams are beginning to rip because they, they thought America would fold like the Swiss, would fold like Austria, would fold like Germany, would fold like Australia, would fold like New Zealand, would fold like all these other nations. But America is resisting, is she's pushing back. They are infuriated that the San Diego Union School District has just lost because of... Let our kids breathe. Let them breathe. Have, like they are infuriated. So, so I, I want to give you permission to have a holy rebellion against wicked authority. We do not accept wicked authority. We do not worship wicked authority. We don't bow down to wicked authority. You, you know, you, you decide for yourselves, do we worship men or do we worship God? Do we obey men or do we obey God? We obey God. And we obey any man or woman that's in alignment with God. But you start violating what God says, guess what? You just lost authority. Because last time I read my Bible, my Bible says that I have authority when I'm under authority. When I step out from under that authority, no longer on of that authority guess what you lose authority you may have title you may have privilege you may have business card you may be called senator you may be called congressman congresswoman but when you stepped out from your biblical authority you took an oath to uphold the constitution now you want to violate that constitution guess what you are out of order you are out of alignment I do not recognize your authority we have Christian people that 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 have no discernment they, they cannot recognize that these people have stepped out from authority. Does that make sense? All right. All right. Well, that's got nothing to do with my message today. But, but can we just thank Sterling and Marissa who just led so well. And, uh, and I'm going to tell you um, uh, our public square, Michael Seifert and uh, Sarah and the public square team with Josh and, and uh, Morgan. Morgan did a presentation. Michael had five minutes uh, Seb Gorka, God bless him, was, you know, was kind of enlisted to promote this Freedom Square, which was basically just public square ripped off and plagiarized. And he had like, what, 20 minutes or 30 minutes up there. Michael had in five minutes all, the, all these, you know, beautiful little, uh, you know, young college student girls in front of us. They didn't download the Freedom Square. They downloaded Public Square app on it. This is amazing. And, but it was so powerful. And Morgan was the, uh, the genius behind it. It was, it was just so clear, so awesome. But I'm telling you, America, America will save the world. Just don't, don't listen to the lies that America is bad. You, you know what's bad? Humans are bad. The devil's bad. But, it, but our founding fathers knew we needed Christ. We needed God. If you read the, the writings, George Washington repeats it, that, that our, our constitution is made for a holy religious people. For a relig Should America stop being religious, the constitution, they know if they can. But America, because of her passion for God, because we recognize America was birthed in a time of slavery. 
She was birthed in a time of slavery, but she fought against slavery. All men are created equal. Do you know what kind of an anathema that was at that time for Thomas Jefferson to write those words? But he owned slaves. Virtually everybody did. They were chattel in those days. But he looked and said, this is wrong. And even at the, you know, even at the end of his life, many of the, the, the chose to continue to live with him because of his kindness and his care rather than his oppression. They don't tell you that. They just say America was, was founded on racism as though she, she used. America destroyed racism. She set in motion. Martin Luther King was able in 1963 to say, I have a dream. The people won't be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. We have people in power right now that want you to judge people by their color of their skin, not the content of their character. If you see skin color, you're racist. I don't care what color you are. If you see skin color, if you judge people by skin color, you are violating the dream of Martin Luther King. And he gave his life. He gave his life for that. If, you, if, all, if all you see is skin color and you can't see the intrinsic value, and let me just tell you something. If you get your Bible and you can show me one verse that talks about race, I'll give you $100. It's not in your Bible. It's not in your Bible. But hang on. Well, then where, where, where do we get all this talk about race and races from? The Bible talks about ethnicity, talks about tribes, talks about tongues talks about nations, talks about kingdoms, but it never talks about race. Where does race come from? Race comes from what we teach in schools. We teach evolution in schools. Evolution is taught from a book written by a guy called Charles Darwin, The Theory of Evolution, but that's not the title of the book. That's the title they tell you it is. It's not the theory of evolution. It's the theory of evolution and its preferred species. Sorry, its preferred races and its preferred races. And the entire book was written as justification for him and the upper class and the bourgeoisie to own slaves because in, in the actual book, The Origin of the Species and its preferred races, Charles Darwin puts forth that the white man is fully evolved, but the black man, he's not fully evolved. He still looks like the ape. Therefore, he should be made domicile. In fact, we are doing a kindness to the black person by keeping them domicile because they get to watch and observe the superior white. So they want to take Bible out of school. They want to teach evolutionary theory, which doesn't work. If you ever look at the chart, if you look at the chart, you've got the, the first little chimpanzee and then, you know, you've got Cro-Magnon and then, you know, Neanderthal and, you know, all the way up to, you know, Homo sapiens. You've got, you know, but if you have a look at the very, they had to cheat on the very first one because the very, very first chimpanzee has toes. Do you know there's no chimpanzee that has toes? There's never been a chimpanzee that has evolved toes, was born with toes. Every chimpanzee has four hands. They have thumbs and thumbs. No toes, but, but if you have a look on the, they sneak it in there. It's got, and you're like, oh, yeah, oh, wow, yeah. Well, I guess over billions of years, gradually. No, no, they, they cheated the very first one. You ever see those idiots with the, um, with the, with the fish with feet? Darwin? Do you know there are billions of fish caught every single day right around the world? Do you know there's never been a fish with feet? I just look and go, wow, you think you're so smart. And the Bible says in their wisdom, they became fools. You're such a moron. So 
The Bible says that God has, God has made all the nations from one blood. God has made all the nations from one blood. Don't, don't let the wicked divide. Don't let the wicked divide. Don't let the wicked put, in, put his finger into wounds. And that's what 2020 was. It, was. it was the devil knowing if he can just put finger into wounds because so many of us, because of sin and wickedness in our communities and in our upbringing, you know, I was, I was made, made fun of and ostracized because I was a migrant coming from Germany to Australia. And I would think, well, you know, why would you pick on me with a But no, no, no. I was made fun of because I was a German, I was a Nazi, I was a Kraut is what they called me. And I remember they would, in school, this surrounding me singing the Germans lost the war. So I went home and I said to Dad, Dad, Flip, which war did we lose? And he's like, well, you know, if we lost them. And so, you know, and I'm trying, I'm just like, I'm six. So I'm trying to gather the details. And the next day, these kids, Nazi, Kraut, and they're, you know, dancing around me, Germans lost the war. And I had no idea what I was, I thought it was like, you know, like the World Cup of soccer or rugby. And I said, well, we came second. (laughs) I I didn't know what I was, what I was doing. T.D. Jake says many years ago, he went to Africa. And he thought, well, everyone's got the same skin color. They're all going to get along. And then he finds the Hootsie tribe, you know, wants to take out the Tutu tribe. And they want to kill each other. And he said, it's, it's got nothing to do with, it's that there's a divider. The devil is a divider. And he will stir up your wound and he wants you to hate. He wants you to hate your, your fellow man or your fellow woman. And then they'll tell you that... It's all about surface and skin color. Don't, don't go there. Don't buy into that. Now, let me tell you, there is something you ought to hate. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is to hate all evil. Absolutely. You redirect hate towards evil. I will not. I hate evil. It will not come into my house. It will not come into my heart. It will not have expression out of my mouth. It will not. It will not. Uh, condition my my perspective on the world. Can somebody say amen? Amen. amen. All right. Well, really quickly. Uh, oh shoot. All right. Today I want to talk about uh, relational levels. Today I want to talk to you about relationships, friendships. What 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 you need. So there's a saying: Show me your friends, and I'll tell you your future. Show me your friends, and I'll tell you your future. In other words, if you hang, the Bible says he who, he who walks with the wise will be wise, but a companion of fools will be destroyed. So the Bible, Bible teaches this inference that show me, show me your friends and I'll tell you your future. If you're hanging out with negative, you know, that's your life. But if, you, if you, he who walks with the wise will be wise. In other words, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. But I, 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 I want to just kind of double down on that. Show me your friends and I'll, I'll give you a measure on how healthy your life is. How healthy your life is. And the reason I wanted to bring this up today is because we're about to go into Christmas. And nothing, nothing right now will be as sensitive and as delicate as the reality of relationship and friendships in our worlds. The people that we thought were close that all of a sudden said, we're not coming to Christmas. We didn't get a Christmas card, didn't get a gift. You sent something, it wasn't returned. You put love out there, it wasn't. 
it's amazing how many people around Christmas times, all the blowing of smoke and all the flattery of the year, reality hits. It's amazing how many people are depressed on Christmas because they thought that this relationship was this but only realized it was this or, or they see the ugly side of relational and familial dysfunction. And so I, I want to kind of speak into that. So uh, the Bible teaches that, that uh, life arrives in stages. It's experienced in seasons, but it's lived on levels. Life arrives in stages. It is experienced in seasons, but it's lived on levels. I want to just put this to you that we know that, that every level has a new devil. How many people have heard that? You know, every level has a new devil or every level has a different devil. But can I just tell you, God wants you to also discover that the different levels require different friendships, different friendships. Let me just destroy another myth. You know, people say, well, you know, if God wants me to have something, he'll give it to me. There's a lot of things God wants you to have, but he expects you to get off your tush and go and get it. Like the Bible says, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. I've yet to have an angel come and say, you are willing and obedient and open up. Here comes the choo-choo train. I've never been like, but, but Leanne and I, we found that because we're willing and obedient, get to enjoy the good of the land, but we've got to go out after it. So God wants you to prosper, but you've got to, be wise with your, your finances. You got to exercise faith. You got to engage in the marketplace. God wants you to have friends. So that's why the, the Bible says um, in Proverbs 18:24 that he who has friends must himself be friendly. He who has friends must himself be friendly. So there's a lot of people, oh, I don't have any friends. I joined the church and nobody, you know, nobody was talking to me. Oh, you know, and, and then they think, oh, I know what I'll do. You know, I'll, I'll go and I'll just stalk Becky every week because she's the campus pastor. And so, so and she's, she's paid to like me. She's paid to be my friend. And so she should be my friend because, hello, she's paid. And we gave our friends, like I even put, you know, obviously it wasn't a tithe, but I put something in there. So therefore she owes me because I don't understand the tithes. So she owes me. So I'll follow her around. And she, I can't believe she didn't invite me to her house for Christmas. And uh, she, she's paid to be my friend. And there's a lot of churches that accommodate that. But they, they, they accommodate the dysfunction. No, listen, the reason you don't have any friends is because you do not understand the basic tenets, the basic principles of what it is to be a friend. He who has friends must himself be friendly must himself be friendly. In other words, there's a law of attraction. And let me say this, let me say this. What is, what is working both for us and against us, and unfortunately more working against us, is the law of attraction. Is the law of attraction. The, 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 uh, the world says the law of attraction is you ask the universe for what you want and the universe will give it to you. You've got to make yourself believe positive. Like if you put out positive, then the, the universe will bring to you positive things. That's not how it works. The Bible teaches us that there is a law of attraction, but the law of attraction, don't listen to those 
new age wackos. The law of attraction is in operation and this is how it works. The law of attraction says that you are continually in, in a cycle of sowing and reaping, sowing and reaping. So right now your life is a product of the seeds that you sowed yesterday. Today is a harvest of whatever seeds you've been sowing. In other words, the law of attraction is you don't attract what you want, you attract who you are. For example, if, if you read the book of Judges, there's a man by the name of Jephthah. Jephthah was the son of a harlot. When the brothers found out that Jephthah was the son of another woman, that dad had an affair, that he went into a hooker and got her pregnant, and then the dad feels guilty because he doesn't want her to be raised in a hooker's home with all the chaos and the drama. So dad brings his boy, Jephthah, into the home. The brothers, when dad goes to work, the brothers surround Jephthah and say, don't think you've got any inheritance. You've got no inheritance because you're the son of another. And Jephthah didn't ask to be the, the, the son of a hooker. Jephthah had no control on how he was conceived or who he was conceived by or who gave birth to him or who, he, he had no say. But the cruelty of this world ostracizes Jephthah. And so the Bible says they drove him out. And in the book of Judges, it says, and Jephthah went out from there and went to the land called Tob, T-O-B or Tov. And for anyone that can remember Hebrew, uh, Broketov means... Good morning. Okay, so tov means good. <laughs> tov means good. So he goes, to, he, goes to, he goes to a land called good. He goes to a good land. He goes to a good land. And when he gets to the good land, the Bible says, even though he goes to a good land because he, he wants good, the Bible says, and worthless men surrounded or banded with him. And they went on ratings. Why, 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 why? He can be in a good land. He can be in a good city. He can go to San Diego. And yet when he arrives in San Diego, he left the pain. He left the persecution. He left the dysfunction of his family. He left the jack. He goes to a good city, a beautiful city. And yet worthless men band around him. Why? Because he felt worthless. He was told he was worthless and so he attracted worthless. What is working against you is your own dysfunction, the law of attraction. Therefore, we will not be a facade church. We will not be a church that just preaches happy clappy and nice little homilies and sermonettes on a Sunday. We take, like Pastor Sterling says, we take discipleship seriously. That we, we, we recognize as pastors and leaders that God has given us or in trusted to us the hearts of our people, that we, that, that we need to be even more delicate than the heart surgeons, but also more precise than heart surgeons. We're not reckless. We're not bulls at gates. We don't just go around pointing out people's faults. We, we feel that we need to build relationships with people, create a trust with people, but then be honest with people to be able to reach in and say, honey, or, or young man, unless you deal with this area or this area, you're going to just keep attracting to you think things that are going to put a limit, things that are going to put a ceiling. Because if you show me your friends, I can tell you your future. And right now, you've got to let God heal what's on the inside of you. I know you want to change what's out here, but it, it begins on the inside of you. We're a discipleship church. Can somebody say amen? 
So we've got to deal, we've got to deal with the, the, the issues of the heart because your external world is always a reflection or a manifestation of your internal world. And it's amazing how many people, because of the brokenness of selfishness and sin and the dysfunction and the infidelity that is out in our community, so many people come into the church and they have no friends, they have no concept of friendships. They, 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 are, they, are, they are like, I can't tell you how many people I met for the first time and they start telling me, you know, and I'm going to, you know, and, and then I, you know, had it, and I've got a, and, you know, a sexually transmitted disease. And then, you know, I was sleeping with, I'm like, oh, stop, 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 stop. Um, what did you say your name was? <laughs> like when, when you meet somebody and they're telling you intimate details and you don't even know their name, it's, it's because they're, dis, they're dysfunctional. There's a, there's a time and a place for that, but they, they don't understand. They come into this house and they need to find healing in this house. Can I just tell you 2020, 2021, the, the, and I know a couple of minutes over, but I, I just feel like I just need to, to, to deliver this word. Um, for, for, for Leanne and I, what, what, was, what was more devastating than anything else was for us, what we at first perceived was the loss of friends. And then as I began to process with the Holy Spirit, He, he began to say, you're not losing anything. I'm just revealing and exposing. Because the Bible says in, in Proverbs 17, 17, as says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. A friend loves at all times. If, if, if you've got friends and they love you when, when you're all going to Roots Chris, if they love you when it's, you know, party time, if they love you when it's good times, but they're gone in the adversity. They're gone in difficulty. They're gone in challenge. They're gone in, were they really your friends in the first place? And I would say from a biblical standard, biblical measure, no, they weren't. Because my Bible tells me that a friend loves at all times. And it can be a hard thing that people that we invested years in relationships and friendships, what we thought, we, we were still their friend, but they just weren't our friends anymore because of the stand that we were taking, the positions you know, our, our, our unwillingness to just step to the back of the cave, our unwillingness to, to post a black flag, our, our unwillingness to, you know, to shut down the, the, the church and, and recommend that everybody wear masks, social distance and get vaccinated. Because of these, we, 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 these people scattered from us and then we realized, oh my God, we didn't actually lose anything. God just revealed. But it can be, it can be pretty daunting that, wow, we thought we had a dozen friends in the room and there's only two left. And that can be, and let me just tell you, you need friendships. You need friendships. If you said to me, what is, what is the Bible? Is it a religious text? Is it, is it, you know, a theological doctrinal text? I would say the Bible is the greatest relational manual on the planet. It, it heals the relationship between you and God and it re heals relationships between you and men. That's why the cross is shaped like this, that Jesus was repairing both relationships, our relationship with God and heaven and our relationship with one another. So really quickly, as we go through the scriptures, you're going to see that there's, there's relational challenges. David in Psalm 141 verse 5, King David, he's just committed... Uh, adultery with Bathsheba. He had Bathsheba's wife, uh, Bathsheba's wife, Bathsheba's husband, the wife of the husband of Uriah, uh, Uriah, anyway, <laughs> Uriah, whose wife was Bathsheba, had him murdered. And David 
is sitting there on his throne thinking he's covered up his sin. He's hidden his sin. The Bible says whoever confesses his sin and forsakes him finds mercy, but whoever covers his sin will not prosper. So David's seated on the throne and Nathaniel, the prophet, comes in. And David says, Nathaniel, come on in. He says, oh, man. David's like, man, are you okay? You look really distressed. He goes, oh, I've got to tell you a story. He says, there was a, there was a guy, beautiful old man, lives on this you know, tiny, little, tiny little lot and he's got one little lamb. That's all he's got. And the little lamb lies with him at, at night, and keeps him warm and it's, it's, like, it's like a pet. Well, he's next door neighbour. He's got flocks and herds and sheep and everything. And the next door neighbour who's wealthy has this guy come from out of town. And instead of taking one of his sheep and slaughtering it and preparing it for the meal, goes over the fence to this little, with his one little lamb, takes the lamb, slaughters it and offers it for a meal. And David is incensed and he says, death to that man. That man will die. Because we're never under judgment or we never judge so harshly as when we're under judgment. That's why you'll see the hate and the vitriol in the street. These are the people who are under judgment because they violate God's. And so they are the, the nasty, the most judgment, death to. And so Nathaniel says, you are that man. You have wives and even some concubines. And yet you go and take somebody else's and then you slaughter the husband. You are that man. So David writes in Psalm 141, verse 5, Let the righteous strike me, it shall be a kindness, and let him rebuke me, it shall be as excellent oil. Let my head not refuse it. David realized even though he was the king, he was seated on a throne, he was anointed by God, he was a giant slayer, he killed Goliath, he had servants, he realized he needed voices in his life. He needed people in his life who loved him. Do not allow somebody to speak intimate things that don't care about your life. Leanne and I, our biggest battle our biggest battle, especially as we went through 2020, 2021, because it was, it was very, we had over 20 years of relationship with a particular movement that because of our stands, we were hot potatoes and we were instantly dropped. And it was, it was disappointing. It was distressing. You know, that there was tears shed. But then we found that we needed to process and we found that, you know, Pastor Mike Connell uh, was somebody who cared very, very deeply about our hearts. So we'd had him. In, in our church, in our home, in our family, who, who deeply loved Leanne and I, that we found that we, we could bring our hearts and say, hey, am I missing something here? Why doesn't the king just free him? Oh, sorry, <laughs> twisted. Um, is, is there something that we're not getting? Is there something? And, and he was able to say, no, this is what this, and we we're able to process with him. You've got to have people in your life. For every level that you're on, there's different relationships. Really quickly, if you go into the book of Genesis, and I think they'll just put, put it up on, on the screen behind me. Genesis 22 verse 5, God asks Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, his only son, on a hill in Moriah. And the Bible says that early in the morning, Abraham saddles his donkey, puts Isaac on the donkey with his servants, and they go out. And the Bible says after three days' journey, when they came to the place... And Abraham said to his young men, said to his servants, stay here with the donkeys while the lad and I go yonder to worship and we will return to you. 
So these, these were servants. These were people that were in Abraham's house. These were people that fought with Abraham to, to deliver Lot. These, these, were, these were warriors in battles. You know, we hear a lot about, man, these guys fought with me in the trenches. But, but when it came to something that was, that was very, very delicate, very sensitive, very, very personal, Abraham had to say, listen, I need you guys to stay here with, with the donkeys. I need you to stay here with, with the work thing because the ladder and I need to go yonder and we're going to worship. There's an intimate thing. These were, these were, these were friends. These were young men. These were servants. But, but Abraham realized I'm about to go to another level that I don't have time to explain to you and I don't have... You can't bring those people into those moments. You've got to recognize, you've got to recognize that, hey, we, we, we did life together in the office. And you may do life together with, with a dozen people, but there may, may be only one person that you can operate with at that level, at an intimate level. And, and so can I just say to you, number one, let God show you and heal dysfunctions in our own hearts. Because it's the dysfunctions in my life that have caused me to walk paths alone that I was never meant to walk alone. The Bible says it's not good for man to be alone. Elijah says, I alone am left. And God's like, well done. You're like the Lone Ranger, except he had Tonto. And again, like in Twisted, the only person who would ever love him, and you drove her away. Yeah, why would you do that, dude? It's... Elijah didn't have to be alone. So God says, you know what you're going to do? I don't know why you're in this freaking cave. Get out of the cave. Anoint your, your, your flask with oil and go and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, as prophet in your place. But he's going to live with you. He's going to be faithful to you. He's going to pour water on your hands because you can't do your assignment, fulfill your assignment unless you have people in your world. You and I need people in our world that are friendships. We need people in our world that are comrades. We need people in our world that are constituents. We need people in our world that walk with us. But you've got to have discernment of who you bring into different areas. Let, let me just finish now. Let me finish now. So in, in uh, the book of Acts chapter 15, Paul and Barnabas have a massive row over John Mark. Acts 15. Barnabas says to Paul, okay, we're taking my nephew John Mark on this trip. And he's like, uh-uh, no, we're not. It's like, yeah, we are. He's like, no, we're not. That little, now John Mark wrote the gospel of Mark. If you read the end of the Gospel of John, it's brilliant. It talks about this little guy who's about 13 who came out to see Jesus, you know, he heard that something was going down that night, but it was Jesus betrayed. And, and all he did was he snuck out of the window and he covered himself in his bed sheet. Now, it's hot in Israel, so he wasn't wearing anything underneath. He just, he just thought, I'll be wrapped in a sheet and I'll be able to, you know, and then I'll sneak back in the window. And the Bible says when they all came with the torches and everything, uh, he fled and, and someone grabbed him and grabbed the sheet. And so the little guy, you know, was a streaker. He was the first streaker in the Bible. He's just, you know, his little butt cheeks, you know, like this. So that's, that's John Mark. So, so, so here, the Bible says this, this disagreement between Paul and Barnabas gets so intense that they part ways. Gets so intense that they, they split. And Barnabas takes uh, John Mark and they, they sail to Phrygia and Paul goes off to Pergamum or some other place. 
It's, it's so intense. And the reason was, was because when, when they were persecuted just, just about a year earlier, John Mark, when he was persecuted again, remembers the, the fleeing naked thing and John Mark deserts them. So now when Barnabas wants to bring John Mark, Paul is like, I don't trust the kid. Where was he a year ago? And they have a disagreement. But fast forward, this is now about 18 months later, Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 verse 11. And Paul again is going through, he says, Demas has forsaken me having loved this present world. You know, he's going through his list of friends. And in 2 Timothy 4.11, he says, only Luke is with me. Everyone else has deserted me. And then watch what he says. He says, get Mark, bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. Get Mark. And so Paul realizes, hey, I can't, I'm throwing stones at this kid because he made a mistake. But you know what? Shoot. I've realized right now in a time of persecution, a time of falling away, I've lost Demas, I've lost this guy. John Mark, he's still going for God. He's still going for Christ. He, he may have dropped a few balls. He may have made a few mistakes. But you know what? He keeps turning up. He keeps showing back up onto the sport. For, bring John Mark. He's useful to me for ministry. We need, the Bible is a relational handbook. It wants to help you have great relationship with God and it'll teach you, if you'll let it, how to have great relationships with people. Married couples, you need to have great married relationships. You know, if I was honest with you, I, I, you know, I saw a married couple, but all of her friends were single, were single young people. And I'm like, I, I don't... You know, Pastor Liam was the first to discern, saying, ah, something's broken here. Like, hang on, married couples, you sh- I'm not saying you don't have single friends. You should have. I think it's great to bring them into your home. I was discipled by a married couple, but, but this person was like, oh, their BFF was single people. And, you know, there's a falling away and a moving away. And uh, I'm not sure how, how that works. Married couple, you should be going out places with, with other couples. Like, likewise, when you start a family, have friends. The richest people in the room, the richest people in the room that ha- are people that have friends on multiple levels. I, I, you know, everywhere I go, you ask Leanne, I have friends everywhere I go. But not all of those friends, I share my Isaac moments, share my sacrifice moments, share those intimate moments. I've got to learn to leave them with the donkeys, leave them with the work, leave them with the labor, leave them with the... Does that make any sense? All right, come on, let me pray. Stand to your feet, let me pray. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, lift your hands high to heaven. You know, I know that Christmas time is going to uh, accentuate some of, the, some of the pain and some of the loss and some of the dysfunctions, some of the disappointments of I thought this person was here, but really they're here. I thought this person was a friend, but then I thought, you know, this is my own brother. This is my own sister. One of the saddest things is that uh, ever since we moved here 16 years ago, unless I call my biological brother, I won't hear from him. Every November 4, I call him and wish him a happy birthday. Never on a July 3rd have I got a text message or a call. And, you know, I just recognize that there's a wound in him. It's not an issue with me. It's a wound in him. So I'm going to continue to love. I'm going to continue to bless. However, at the same time, Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart. So I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, going to fall apart like a cheap Chinese suit on Christmas Day. If he doesn't call or if there's no gift under the tree, like I, like I, I, does that make sense? So come on, lift your hands. Father, I thank you, Lord God. 
Thank you. And, and the word of the Lord to you today is you need friends. And just like there are different devils for different levels, in the same way there are different friendships. And I would say the higher that you go in God, the fewer the friends that you have on that level. But look for people who also live on that level and look to see the fruit that they're developing or the fruit that they're producing on that level before you invite them to walk with you on that same level. And it does, you know, they say ministry can be lonely and it is because the higher you go, the, the few people that operate on that level, but you've got to look them out. You and I are not good by ourselves. We need good people around us. Father, I pray, Lord God, that every home will have laughter, will have more than just turkey and ham and great food, but every home will have laughter. Every home will have fellowship. And I pray right now, devil, that every empty seat that you want to be at people's Christmas table as a wound, as a rejection. I pray that every empty seat will be filled with a newfound friend, a newfound relationship that these people go into 2022 saying, man, I had no idea that God would bring me Christmas 21, one of my new. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen. For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.